That's how we're going to start, huh? We're going to tell everyone to be... Uh, yeah, we will talk in a Norwegian accent. <laughs> I was going to say, we want, we want, want Deary to, to be sensitive to the fact that we might not be able to pronounce some of the words yes, and names. Yes, I think so. I think that's how we should start. Hello, you're listening to Dear Reader, a book talk show featuring chatty librarians bringing you reading recommendations and a whole lot of book loving. I'm Louise Cadell. And I'm Bernadine Nolan. And we're coming to you live from Melbourne Library. Before we get started, we want to remind you that we'd love to hear what you're reading. So tweet us at Library with the hashtag Dear Reader. And you can download previous Dear Reader episodes at SoundCloud or iTunes by searching for Melbourne Library Service and subscribing. Yeah, subscribe. And all the books we mention will be listed in our show notes on our Goodreads page, which you can find on our website at www.melbournelibraryservice.com.au and it's on the read page. I think, yeah, I've got one that I'm not sure about. I have a few. <laughs> <laughs> Well, what's our theme, Ben? Our theme for this is Nordic dash Scandinavian crime. Ooh, creepy. Well, no, because as one of the reviews went, I was trying to work out what the difference between American, British and Nordic Scandinavian crime is. And a literary agent, Salomonson, said that Scandinavian crime writers, it's in the style of the books, realistic, simple and precise and stripped of unnecessary words. Mm. The plain, direct writing, devoid of metaphor, suits the genre well. Ooh. Ooh. I wouldn't say devoid of metaphor, though. No, I wouldn't either. But compared to some of the American, yeah, particularly... Heavily, heavily steeped in metaphor. Yes. Yep. Yes. Mm. So, be warned, the crime is committed, it's just that it's not as overpowering or gruesome as some of the American writers, I don't think. So it's more mine were a little bit, yeah, yeah, yeah. Much there's, more there's psychological. There's a difference, isn't there? Yeah. It's a darker, less assuming crime to begin with. Sometimes. 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 Not, we not will some discover. Yeah. Yes. Would you, you like, go, would you like to start, Louise? I will. Uh, my first book was The Snowman by Joe Nesbo, who is from Norway. So uh, as we just sit here and giggle, uh, it's set in November in Oslo and the first snowfall of the year covers the gloomy landscape. A young boy discovers his mother missing and ventures outdoors to look for her, but all he finds is her pink scarf wrapped around a snowman in the front yard that appeared mysteriously the day before. And so begins Harry Hole's seventh investigation in this extremely popular series. Detective Harry Hole. Detective, you are right, Harry Hole. Mm-hmm. Right off the bat, this is this is not a book that I would normally pick up. Just the idea. I read the blurb and I was like, I don't know how I feel about this. I'm, I'm not a great scary book person and this sounds terrifying. They are. Yeah, and guess what it was. Yeah. Mm. I saw this on the shelf and I thought the cover was really creepy. So... I mean, don't get me wrong, I, I did enjoy it. There was a lot of enjoyment in terms of that kind of gripping, you think it's going to get better, or you just want it to get better, better, I suppose. You're like, come on, come on, come on. So it was a real a massive page turner and definitely one where you want to burrow deep within the covers and be nice and safe and warm. Uh, not one when you're feeling ill. 
I and think... you don't want anyone knocking on the door late oh at night. Oh, my God, no, you don't. It's so awful. So uh, anyway, I, I very much enjoyed it, but it was very creepy. Um, I think, too, this is where the psychological comes in because I did this book as well, and Harry actually is aware as the book progresses that he's actually a pawn in this game where the rules are devised and constantly revised yeah. by the killer. And to me, it, there was a certain amount of pure evil in this book. Oh, so much. But there is a menace to all of Joe Nesbo's books. Mm-hmm. And there's sort of that creeping societal menace or not knowing where the danger lurks or I, I don't know. It's Or knowing that the menace exists every day. Or within everyone. Within everyone. Yeah, it's just, and um, yeah, I mean, I can't can't believe you read it as well though, Burn. I feel like this is a dear first. I know, it is first. And I didn't have a backup book. That's all right. We can talk about this one. Well, we can. We can talk. Well, uh, I did I did find out that uh, Nesbo is a best-selling Norwegian author and musician. Yes. I was like, whoa. And I have a is it him that has just written a children's book? Oh, it might have been. So a couple, I mean, it's it's coming up, but a couple, that, that was something I found very interesting. So, you know, I'm from Queensland, so I get a certain amount of pleasure from books like this because it's so different. different. The feeling, it's eerie, the snow. I mean, the whole idea of snow masking crimes or being a part of the crime, and it's just, it's so different and it's, it's really immersive when you read it. I think know? that's why I'm really quite addicted yeah, to these books, and yet I hate the cold. And have you read any of his other books? Yeah. Because ah, I haven't. So I didn't feel like the fact that I hadn't read any of his books before, I didn't think that spoiled it. But no. I was wondering how much you would get out of it if you'd read other books. They're like any other series. You have to give yourself a bit of time between them anyhow mm. oh because gosh. otherwise you get Harry Hold out. Yep. Um, for one. <laughs> I'm Harry Holdout. Harry Holdout. What I like about the Joe Nesbos particularly is that they also discuss relevant Norwegian social problems. Yeah, that is another thing. So You're right. There's that gritty realism to them because they are talking about everyday problems. Yep. But it becomes part of the underlying subculture of these books. Yeah, you're you're exactly right, and I think that's a way in which, uh, I mean, perhaps it's because I'm more familiar with sort of subcultures in in America and UK. Mm. So maybe that's why I found this a bit more interesting because I don't know a lot of the social problems or the issues. Um, in sort of Scandinavian countries. So that sort of yeah. stuff was really fascinating. I think that makes them very much more readable. In I think ways. so too. Yeah. Yeah. And there's so many layers and then there's so many, um, it, it makes you feel, made me feel that the world is bigger. Yeah. You know, and, and it's, I would have thought I would have kind of really associated with a lot of different things and a lot of things I didn't. So I thought, oh, this is, I mean, I could as a human, but I'm like, this is so different from my lifestyle or what I know is. I know, it was wonderful. Yes, I love them. And I tried to steer away from really well-known Nordic Scandinavian writers. Apart from The Snowman. Apart from (laughs) The Snowman. Because, well, at that stage I was actually going to do, she turns her page, I was actually going to do Karen Fossum or Gunnar Staleson or Camellia Lackberg, but I didn't. But, in fact, I did a Swedish series 
These are by Helene Turston, and apologies for any bad pronunciation. Uh, the, the one I read was translated by Lara Wildberg, and I think sometimes the translation has a great effect on these books. Yep. Uh, so for 100%. It, it would have to. Because you never know. You presume that there's a good translation, but you never really know. Mm. So this one was called Night Rounds, and it's the fourth book in the series featuring Detective Irene, Detective Inspector, sorry, Irene Huss of the Violent Crimes Unit in Gottberg, Sweden. Now, Irene is tough. She's a former jiu-jitsu champion, a mother of twins, the wife of a successful chef, and very, very tall. I love it. I love these ball-busting ladies. Oh, I loved her right from the get-go. Yep. So in this particular book, a nurse lies dead and another vanishes and a patient in the ICU dies after a local hospital is hit by a blackout. The only witness claims to have seen Nurse Tekla doing her rounds. Mm -hmm. But Nurse Tekla was found hanged in the hospital's attic 60 years ago. Ew. Sounds like a ghost crime. It does give you that feeling to start off with. And, of course, all the staff go directly to, it must have been a ghost, it must have been a ghost. So... Irene has the challenge of rejecting the supernatural and dismantling the affairs of the hospital, which become quite involved. Oh, my gosh. So this book keeps the reader involved, and Irene in herself is a very engaging character. So you learn about the two twins, one who wants to be a musician, uh, the other one then becomes a vegetarian, and then when she's got the you know the husband who's the world-class oh, chef who gets quite disappointed... <laughs> And they actually describe what I love too is she describes what they eat. So mm. it gave me another view of what you might eat if you were sitting down with a Swedish family. Yeah, right. Um, oh, Meatballs? no. Not like a piece of toast in the toaster. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> oh, you'd expect that, wouldn't you, though? A bit of bit of food porn in, in if there's a character that's a chef. You'd expect like, oh. Three-course meals. Whoa. Whoa. So you don't eat this. Uh, going home on the train at night before you had your dinner um, because it does make you salivate rather. Burn, burn um, drooling on her way home. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, but it, it was particularly good and, of course, Irene does succeed in building, getting the killer yeah, in the she end. Does. Yeah, um, she does. But in the consequence, these you don't need to read in order because I haven't been. I fell into one of them. Um, I think I got into number six before I read number four. And in the future series, some of them are actually based in London because one of her killers or suspected killers flees to London. So she can speak English and she's sent because her boss is um, his English is not so good. So Mm. then they get this relationship with... um, the English police. So that comes back in the later couple of books. So it's quite cool. It's it's bit of cross cross nation cross nation pollination. Yeah, yeah. It's quite good. Um, there is one that she did that does deal with human trafficking, and that was Whoa. really really hard to read. Mm. It's funny, right? You don't when you think of human trafficking, you don't 
I mean, I'm, obviously I'm thinking of movies and things like that, but you don't necessarily think of, um, you know, really well-regarded countries, Nordic countries, Scandinavian countries as mm. having those really sinister, awful sides. And of course they, they do. do. Of course they do. But you hold them up as the pillar of this is what humanity should be doing. And yeah. there's a real underbelly that's... Yeah. So with Helene Turston, you never know where you're actually going to go with her books and you never know exactly what crime has been committed. And there's always, it's like peeling the onion, there's always the apparent crime and then you've got to peel into the, undo the layers yeah. and that's what we like. I love it. Yeah, that's exactly what I like. And like speaking of uh, sassy female characters or, you know, really kick characters. I don't think I'm allowed to say kick ass. I better wait. Kick ass. Delete that. Uh, My next book is a book that we actually, we both spoke about. I told (gasps) you. I said I shotgun this book because it's it's actually one of my favourite books. And when Burn came up with a theme, I was a bit panicked. I was like, what am I going to read? And then I thought, I'll read this one. And it's such a great book. It's called Smiller's Sense of Snow or Miss Smeller's Feeling for Snow. It's It's got a couple of, of titles, titles that kind of run around. It's from Denmark, and it's by a writer called Peter Hoog. Hoog? Hoog? I think so. Uh, anyway, so the story begins in Copenhagen, where a child has fallen to his death from a snowy rooftop of an old warehouse. So the police are refusing to consider it anything but an accident. I mean, a child playing just falls off. You know, there's no big deal. Anyway... This lady called Smiller is his na- or was his neighbour and she she smells something fishy. So she knows this little boy called Isaiah and she she is the one who stands up and says, uh uh-uh, uh, no no way. He's he, I think mm. he's afraid of heights or something like that. And she's like, uh uh-uh, uh, I know I know that kid would not even be up there in the first place unless something fishy mm. happened, unless there was other reason. So it takes the reader and Smiller through a decades long, decades old conspiracy in Copenhagen, and then it ends on a Voyager ice ice breaking ship um, off the Greenlandic coast. So it's pretty epic in scale. It gets quite epic yeah. at the end, anyway. Um, but it's it ends a little bit unresolved, and that kind of gave it a little bit of kind of ends how I feel uh, life is. You know, there's no there's no real story ending. It's just things keep, keep going. going. Um, there still were some conclusions, but anyway, it was yeah. It is one of it's one of my favorite books. I reckon it's it, the character of Smiller is she's a loner. She's a ball buster. She's really unapologetic in how she lives her life. Mm. But how you were talking before about how. Nesbo kind of weaves a lot of social factors into his writing. So does Hogue or Peter Hogue. He he mm. weaves a lot of it into Smiller, who's half Danish and she's half Inuit and she really doesn't feel like she belongs. And it's just, it's so, it makes the character so well-rounded and kind of unforgettable because she's really tied between this old and new world and very much like Denmark and Greenland. And Gen- you know, it's, yep. it's sort of... The bigger macro issues are, are put down into this smaller character, and it's just, it's wonderful. It is beautifully written. Yeah, and it's just, I love some of the parts where she sort of, there's this one part I'll never forget that she confronts her mother in law, who's a young ballerina or something, and has a fight with her. And I won't say anything more, but there's one part in it where I'm like, 
Mm. You did not just write that. Oh my god! <laughs> and it was just made me love her because I thought I've never I've never read a female character like this before. Yeah. Um, and I loved I loved the descriptions of Snow and the descriptions of her Inuit mother, and it was just really really transportive. And I mean, the crime is is a part of it, and you you're constantly following what's going on but there's so much going on around it that's still beautiful kind of you know like great literature yeah. really You'd... it's like snowflakes falling oh, so much snow it's beautiful yeah. and and i loved the how they described the relationship between her and the little boy Isaiah. yeah is really sweet and just uh, really innocent and nice i loved it i thought it was wonderful uh, and I would highly recommend this one, I think, for anyone who maybe wants to dip a toe into sort of Scandi crime. Yeah, it'd be, yeah, it'd be a good one to start off with. Yeah. As opposed to some of the others. Kind of, I mean, compared to, I think, The Snowman, it's kind of a light crime, really. Oh, yes. <laughs> bit of, bit All of, right. Bit of cosy crime. I know, right? My goodness. The last one I chose was an Icelandic Ooh. author. Um, a lot of these I've had to resort to using on my tablet. Mm. There is no shame there. No. We love reading of all kinds. Thank you. And I know that I'm not going to say his name properly, <laughs> but this is Jar City by Analda Indrason, translated by Bernard Skuda. Wow, Jar City. I've heard good stuff about this. So... Um, Arnolda has the rare distinction of having won the Nordic Crime Novel Prize two years running. He is also the winner of the highly respected and world-famous CWA Gold Dagger Award for the top crime novel of the year in the English language, which wow. was Silence of the Grave, Ooh. which is the next one that I'm going to read. Really? Mm-hmm. But on to Jar City. When a lonely old man is murdered in his apartment in Reykjavik. Detective Inspector Ulunda Svensson is called in along with his partner, Sigurda Olli, and female colleague, Ellenborg. Yeah. So Just many. getting through the names. So many. <laughs> so many but I've also learned a lot about the name formation too. Anyhow, that's for another series. Everyone is related to everyone else in Iceland and refers to one another by first name even formally. So... Erlinder is about 50, long divorced with two kids in varying degrees of drug addiction. Ooh. So this gets back to that social problems yeah. coming back and it's it's not only... Straight up, just in there, yeah. straight from the beginning, my gosh. The victim, a, a man called Holberg, turns out to have been a nasty piece of work and Erlinder is disgusted by the series of rapes he apparently committed. Ooh. Uh, the rapes and the deaths of a number of young women may be connected and the search brings Orlunda to the forensic lab whose old Jar City, hence the name, mm-hmm. since disbanded, held research organs. Meanwhile, Orlunda's daughter Eva Lind is pregnant and still using drugs. She fits in and out of his life angrily but may be crying out for help. So he's mm-hmm. stuck in this trying to be good dad, good cop, um, and trying to do the best for her. And they've had such a fractured relationship that it's going to take a lot of work. But once again, we're looking at issues and problems in societies and families that yeah. don't exist. Every, they exist everywhere, I should say. Um, so uh, the, 
the physicality of the setting and the fact that crimes are relatively rare in Iceland gives this thing a really interesting cast. The writing, the plot and the resolution are done nicely um, but remain fully within that um, Scandinavian crime. And it was one step after the other in this book. And then when you'd think, oh, he's never going to get this killer, he's never going to bring him to justice. And particularly as a female, your blood starts to boil. Mm. And then Eva would come back into his life and they'd have, you know, a lovely evening and she'd cook a meal. But then the next night when he got home, she wouldn't be there. Mm. So you never know what she's going to do and is she going to keep the baby. Mm. He eventually finds her in a squat with a bride who has run away from her own wedding. And Gosh. then these the bride's parents are known to him. Ah. And this is just like that, you know, that little off, this is life. This comes into you while the main thread of the story is going yeah, ahead. Yeah. So you're thinking, why is this, why has this young bride run away from her own wedding? Mm. The, the bridegroom didn't seem to upset her. Something obviously happened, but what? Um, and then you, you actually find out, and I'm not going to say why, you'll have to read the book. Mm. Um, but then it ties in to the fact that Eva is found with this girl and Whoa. he brings them both home and cleans them up. And, and you can feel through the writing the effect that having your your daughter who's pregnant in this vulnerable, vulnerable spot and knowing that because you and he, your ex-wife didn't have such a great relationship that the the two, the, the son and the daughter, don't have the best relationship with you. So it gets back to that problem, you know, family problems, societal mm. problems that I think these Scandinavian Nordic novels do oh so well as well as having a crime featured. It's true, actually. That's it's a really good point. That's what I like about them a lot too. The same for my my last, the last book that I chose is that yeah, the the crime is there, but it's it's they really are heavy on life. Still happens around the crime, mm. and they're not they're not necessarily connected in really cliche ways. Or you know, it's not oh, okay, here we're trying to teach you this giant life lesson. It's just it's it's about that fact that everyday life goes on, and these things happen in everyday life, and it's really chilling and interesting and it's you know that I mean that that heightens the crimes though doesn't it because you just think all this other stuff is happening and you can't stop the creepy stuff and you just think really is there any chance for anyone yes (laughs) there is to go unscathed through life but um what's your last one so my last book is the return of the dancing master by Henning Mankell cool I know, right? Oh, I love Henning Mankell. Well, I was really excited because so I never I never read anything of his before and I really only picked it up because I recognized the name and because I'd recognized yeah, and I'd recognize the fact that uh, it, it's one of those books that whenever I'm checking books in at the library, there's just uh, there's one all the time. There's always one on the shelf that someone's picked up on the back. Like I've, you know, I, I felt so familiar with this writer, and then I realized oh, I've never read anything. Mm. So it was quite quite exciting to pick them off the shelf and be like, oh, I'll give this a go. So uh, it's got a bit of a long plot, but I'm gonna I'm gonna do my best reading it. Uh, when retired policeman Herbert Molin is found brutally slaughtered on his remote farm in the northern forest of Sweden, 
Police find strange tracks in the snow, as if someone had been practising the tango. Stefan Lindman, a young police officer recently diagnosed with mouth cancer, that's what we were talking about when we mm-hmm. say real life comes in, decides to investigate the murder of his former colleague but is soon enmeshed in a mystifying case with no witnesses and no motives. Dun, dun, dun. So uh. this is one of those brilliant examples. The main character has mouth cancer. <laughs> what? I mean, I, I was not prepared for this. I, I was thinking, oh... Maybe this guy's going to die and a new lead character will come out, you know? And it's so, he's the whole time through the book, he's terrified this disease is going to take his life. But also it creates this this excellent uh, tension because it makes him more reckless, you know, his own impending death. And it's, it's very interesting. And there's sort of later on you unearth links between the his colleague's death and an underground neo-Nazi network. And it's just... It, it goes deep and you just don't expect it. And it's quite, uh, it's exciting and it's just, I, I was very in awe. You can hear it in my voice. Yes. I'm still in awe. I just, I didn't expect any of it. Um, so, you know, it's sort of, you know, it's this real indictment of the rise of hate groups in modern Sweden mm. where, you know, xenophobic groups like Strong Sweden and other neo-Nazi organisations promote their racial hatred towards others, which... Just that sentence alone is terrifying to think about, you know, and it was it was really it was really interesting, you know, and you can feel the the coldness of the landscape and the snow really just wraps that in and makes you feel um terrified, I suppose, you know, the lack of warmth. And I mean yeah. that that comes throughout all these books, you know, that that lack of warmth is so intentional, but it's so central to to life. Oh, except when they go to view interview people and they are always served with cake or biscuits. I know and, and warm drinks. Yeah, yeah, that's true. And it's such that's a true. symbol of that beautiful Scandinavian hospitality. Welcoming warmth and, and, and the there's friendliness. A, there's an apology if there's no fresh cake. Yeah. I know. I'm like, why why mm. I need to adopt this rule? Like <laughs> exactly. It needs to be a part of my life. But you know, so I I confess I, I completely picked this up because the name was familiar, which, you know, that's not a bad reason to pick up no. a book. Uh, and I was pleasantly surprised. So, I mean, again, completely, <sighs> Mankel is a prolific writer. Very. Uh, so there's so much more to choose from, and I definitely would dip in again. It was a bit chilling and socially very chilling. I mean, the, I, I don't know, I'm fascinated by neo-Nazi groups, and they're just... A lot of the Scandinavian authors, either the neo-Nazis or bikey groups. Yeah, bikey groups as well. Bikey groups is big. I didn't think they were that big. I, I know. And then this, this is part of the whole um, social education that you get from these books yeah. because you you start to understand um, where the problems either come from or what they're always kind of happening in the background or in the peripheral. And you sort of forget that. Like I said, when we sort of idolised Scandinavian countries and we're like, oh, they do everything yeah. better over there. And it's like, uh-uh, there's a dark side and they've got their problems too. They do. Mm. Um I'm just going to say that detectives in Scandinavian Scandinavian Nordic crime fiction share many attributes with their American and British counterparts. Many are unkempt, unhealthy and sometimes fatalistic characters, but are nevertheless humane and brilliant sleuths. They doggedly pursue the criminal element, 
usually but not always winning the day at the expense of maintaining a normal family or social life. Some are alcoholics whose human interactions are limited to station and squad car, and that is a recurring theme. Yeah. Uh, some even develop relationships with the victims or even worse, the criminal. You know you have no life when the serial killer you're hunting chides you about your cholesterol. <laughs> so the other key to the appeal, I think, is the stoic nature of its detectives and their peculiarly, peculiarly close relationship with death. Mm. So that bleak Scandinavian landscape, which serves to mirror the thoughts of the characters. True. Vast elvers, ancient stone, dark shores inhabit these stories such that the soul of the landscape becomes an important narrative. And an important character, right? Yep. And readers will often find fascinating the supernatural strain pervading this literature. So the other part, and I alluded to it before, was another important element of the genre is its traditional willingness to incorporate larger social issues into the narrative of police work immigration, xenophobia, misogyny, racism and larger issues of intolerance and social inequality are recurring themes that often fall at the core of the mystery at hand. Oh, do you want me to go through some of the authors? Yeah, why not? Let's hear them. Um, these are, I selected three or so from each group. Danish crime writers Eric Amdrup, Leif Davidson, Peter Hogue, Finnish crime writers Lena Leitolanen, Matti Ronka, Jakko Spilila, Icelandic crime writers Ragnar Jonathan, Arnie Potransson, Ursa Sigurdor. She's fantastic. She's done a, she's done great lots. Um, Norwegian crime writers Thomas Enger, Karen Fossum, Gunnar Stelson, Swedish crime writers. Kashal Eriksson, Mons Kalintot and Camilla Lackbird, who's done a whole series. Wow. Um, and hers feature a policeman and his wife, who mm-hmm. is an artist, but she has a very good brain, so they work together. together. Ooh, I like that idea. But then she has a sister who has a whole uh, issue trying to maintain her marriage with her over zealous, over-dominating uh, husband. Ooh. So, mm. I, I, I just, I love the, you know, the, the framing of family life and the, the different relationships with people in, in all of these books. I really, mm. oh, so interesting. So I think if you're not a hardened crime reader, you've still got one foot very much in a situation where you're still comfortable true that's that's very true it's different if we did straight horror crime yeah or real crime real crime oh that one that one would be scary yep so there we are dear reader wow oh sorry it's it's winter and we've made you chillier we've we've made you cold 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 anyway uh that's it isn't it yeah and we're off to have some mulled wine. School. We would also love for you to tell us what you're reading or ask us for a recommendation. Tweet us at Library with the hashtag Dear Reader or join the conversation on Goodreads. And don't forget you can subscribe and download Dear Reader episodes at iTunes by searching for Melbourne Library Service. 
And if you like what you're hearing on Dear Reader, we'd love you to leave us a review on iTunes. It helps others find out about us and gives us a nice warm glow too. Thanks for listening. We're going to sign out. Over and out. Happy reading. Bye. Take care.